and welcome to the Dog Logical Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Rhodes. And I'm your host, Cassie Dixon. Join two dog nerds and our guests, giving you tips, tricks, and busting myths aimed at making sense of your dog's behavior. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dog Logical Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and Renee in our uh, venture to bust some myths. How are you doing, Renee? <laughs> I'm okay. I love it. I just imagine um, in our adventure to bust myths, like we should get some little like cartoon characters, like and a theme song or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Well, if you didn't already know, I am Cassie Dixon and this is Renee Rhodes. Hello everyone and welcome back. Yeah, I now I'm like obsessed with that idea that just like totally <laughs> took me. I'm going to get us little like super superheroes. Um <laughs> I love that so and much. And a theme song. Scott's was, always good at coming up with that kind. Of, are you like do you guys sing to your dogs? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Scott's really good at making up like, you know, popular, he's good at changing popular songs to be like comical. I am the worst at it. Oh my gosh. No, it's really bad. I I don't know why I don't like even rhyming stuff. Like I'm trying to things, I'm trying to think of things that he might say, but he's, he comes on it like really quickly. He can come up with a song and it sounds like it really could fit. And I'm like, yeah, and you're a great dog, and you've got <laughs> nice paws. And he's like, no, no, that wasn't Stop. good. Stop, <laughs> Thank you for the effort, but no. Oh, yes. that's amazing. I love that so much. But <laughs> it's horrible. It really is hard. I just, it's not a talent of mine. I don't know. Like every time that he does it, I'm really. I'm really taken by surprise because I'm really envious that he can do it, and I just I can't do it, but. But you know, it's another thing that we do um, that we started doing a lot more now is talking for the dogs and then answering as the dogs. And I caught myself the other day where he was talking for Lycan and I answered Lycan as if Lycan had been talking. And then I was like, oh God, Scott, this is the first sign of madness. Like. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love that so much. I do do that all the time, like all the time, especially towards like my housemate's dog. She'll do something and her mom will talk to her and be like, Peyton, what are you doing, Missy? Why would you do that? And I'll just be like, oh, it's because I'm real excited, mom. Like, I'm just like, I just do it. And like, we'll look at each other and we both just acknowledge that we're slightly not normal. We just like, yep, that happened. And it's literally daily, like every day happens I do it for Norco I do it for Peyton our current foster dog I love doing it for we've decided um he came in with the name Brando and uh we we all like the three of us all tossed around names for a while and uh my housemate Jess she landed on the name Bruce and Mm. so I call him Bruce Fraba or Bruce Wayne Mm. and I don't don't know why, but I did the exact same thing the other day. I responded for him. And then I was like, Bruce Fraba. And I started like playing with his ears and like dancing and like making a little song. And like my partner and my housemate just looked at me and they were like, yeah, we chose this life. And they just like turned away from me. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I think, you know, the, the worst signs are, and I have to admit I'm guilty of this as well, is talking for the dog and then answering for the dog yourself. So like, I'll be like, sweet pea, what are you doing? You look really comfy. He's like, I'm sleep since mommy. <laughs> I am crazy. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Hey, you know what? There is a spectrum of insanity and we all fit somewhere on it. Let me tell uh, you. And of course he has to say sleep sins. Like he can't say I'm sleeping. Yeah. It's like I'm sleep sins. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay, you're sleep sins. I'll leave you to it. Thank you, mommy. <laughs> oh, but it's, it's out of pure love, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that so much. It's I perfect. Know. That's like pretty much probably looking at you like you are. Wow. Like it has like his own voice and everything as well. So we have, yeah. I don't know if I said before, but like he, um, we call him, well, he calls us designated. So like I'm designated one. Everything is about one. Where's one? What's one doing? I love my one. And then Scott is obviously designated two. So like, it's very degrading because I'm like, you don't count two. You don't know what you're doing two. Where's one? So it's a great way of like an, you know, a great ego boost for me. Cause I'm like, I'm one and one is more important. He's like, yes, you're, you're one. the one saying it. <laughs> Scott calls me one too. I'm designated one and he's desi- oh. designated two. just because like, like, and just he, you know, borderline obsessed with me. We have a really tight bond where oh we're gosh. buds. So, I love yeah. that so much. I do feel that though. I feel like I do the same thing. Um, especially like if, Alex is placing something on Norco. Like if oddly enough, this will be a perfect segue. Um, like if he like puts Norco's collar on or something, and then Norco will immediately come to me and just be like, mom, mom, we're going somewhere, but fix this. And like, give me his neck and head. And I'm like, oh, did daddy not do it right, sir? And I'll take it off and like change it and put it back on. And then he like trots away all happy. So like 100% that happens in this household. Like, yes <laughs> sure Alex oh, yeah. is in the other room like rolling his eyes at me like we but. have the same thing with harnesses I don't know why but I have a preference of how the harnesses are put away mm-hmm. so I like that because when I go to put them on the dogs I we use the um which we'll talk about because surprise surprise we're going to be talking about tools today um <laughs> but <laughs> we have the the four clip harness so like you know you can clip two at the front and slide it over the head and the boys don't have any issues with things going over their head so yeah. that's how I clip it and the two back clips are undone so I can literally just like slide it in up under and clip clip and it's a very smooth process but for some reason Scott takes it off where he has one of the front and one of the back and I'm like why do you oh. make them step out of it and he's like they're fine I'm like I know they're fine but then you so leave weird. it like that and I go to put it on and like I'm like, we have all the clips. Let's, let's, let's use all the clips. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like path of most resistance over here, Scott, way to go. (laughs) So I'm always like, can we put it back this way? And he's like, why? It doesn't matter. You can just unclip it. And I'm like, I I don't know why it matters. It just does. It's just God. Yeah. That's hilarious. I actually, I do the same because like, um, obviously I don't use them for my guy, but at the shelter where I work, we will use, um, like easy walk harnesses. If we have a dog Mm. that we have a really difficult time with in order to just help get them to a better place. This is not an end all be all tool. It doesn't fix things. Um, just to help with, you know, like potential injury to the human walking the animal or, you know, whatever the case may be, because they're not there for a crazy amount of time. I don't, I don't love the harnesses. I don't usually promote them to like my own clientele and things like that. Like literally almost never, there are better ways to do things, which again, we will be talking about, but, um, it's the same thing when people at the shelter take them off and they leave like the belly band clipped, but not the chest band. And I'm like, why would you, what this, 
huh? Like, I'm just so confused and I'll walk by the harness and I'll just like fix it on the wall and then put it back on its hook and then just keep walking. And people look at me like, what, what the heck? Like, why does it matter? And I'm like, I don't know. It just matters. Okay. <laughs> like, especially for these shelter animals where it's like, we have to try as best we can to keep things as fear-free as possible. We haven't done any DSCC to putting things over their head or whatever. And obviously I'm using acronyms because that's just my life, but DSCC, desensitization and counterconditioning, for those of you listening that uh, may not know what that acronym means, but yeah, so like we're not necessarily going to put things over an animal's head or, you know, if some animals have a difficulty with um, really intense or pointed handling, things like that, we'll make sure that we're doing the opposite. So it kind of works out that way, but yeah, definitely. I totally see <laughs> all of those things. Like I, I feel like we might live parallel lives on just different continents. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I, you know, that joke, and I think I I might have said this before, you know, that joke where everyone's like, you know, what, if you put three trainers in a room, like, what's the only thing they'll agree on is that they all disagree. And like, I don't know, I must have lucked out because like you and other people, like all the dog people that I have, I don't disagree, like hardly ever, you know, like, it's just like, where are, the, I mean, I know people that I disagree with, obviously, like social media, hello, but yeah, not really people like that are on the same, you know, kind of, kind of page as me. Um, yeah. I definitely think, you know, positive in a sense is a, is a spectrum, like, you know, so there are kind of ends that I don't really go to, like you mentioned about, you know, certain types of harnesses, and we'll talk about a couple, a couple other tools as well, but that's not something that I kind of drift into, but I also don't feel, I feel like I've softened from like the extreme um, kind of, you know, everything must be like as positive as possible. What is as positive as possible? But at the same time, I, I don't feel like I'm one of those extremist people where, yeah. when, you know, on social media, they're like, oh, one of the purely positive extremists. And I'm like, am I sure that I am I don't know I mean maybe I'm just really good at my job like (laughs) don't even try to but yeah I I don't know like there's not a lot of people that I disagree with I think more often than not I'm feeling yes I I fully kind of agree with what you're saying um and it feels really good to me right yeah I get that a lot and honestly you definitely have lucked out you've been um very good in picking your family in terms of that like making sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people. And I wholly envy that because sometimes it can be really difficult. So that's oh, amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy it's, for you that that's the case. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's taken some cultivating, you know, Yeah, but at the same time, I think we all kind of deal with, you know, what our kind of levels are in things. And not to say that I don't have friends outside of the dog world that sometimes I'm a little bit like, I'm not, gonna comment on that post (laughs) I'm gonna keep on scrolling um but but I think you know most people have have their own opinions about certain things and I also appreciate that sometimes people well people all all people aren't dog people in the sense of dog people they're more like I like dogs which I like dogs too but also my brain is probably in the shape of a giant dog (laughs) (laughs) oh I love that so much and you know what it's so true too like especially saying like putting that um almost like putting you on a either a pedestal or somewhere you don't want to be about being this like purely positive and like it's like no actually I think that 
by the time you get into a realm where you're doing things positively, you understand enough about the animal that it's not just positive. It's just humane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going out of my way to try to make sure every single thing I do is perfect, but because of my depth and understanding of how the human animal bond works and how brains work and how animals learn. And, you know, the fact that they are sentient beings and all of these things, like I'm not doing anything out of the norm. I'm literally just taking that into consideration with the things that I do. Therefore, this is how it should always be. You know what I mean? Like there shouldn't be that middle ground. So like, I totally get where you're coming from and saying that like people, when they do point that finger or whatever. And I also have a hard time, like, especially with when people ask what type of training I do or things like that. Like I, I really have a tendency to say, like, I use evidence-based training and learning. Like I train in evidence. I don't make assumptions and make, you know what I mean? Like I do everything I can to follow appropriate science and the evidence that has come from that science and those studies and those types of things to make sure that I'm on the right track. And yeah, I would consider that positive reinforcement. Absolutely. Because we're making sure that we're trying to reinforce things to keep the Mm. good happening. Right. But I feel like there's this hard disconnect now, and especially because there is no regulation in the industry, which I'm sure we've talked about a ton of times, but (laughs) it makes it hard to like, you know, if I want to compete with those R plus trainers, or they call themselves that, like that's your literal name for your business is R plus dogs, right? Like I know. it's, it's a way to put yourself there, but then when you actually explain it more, people understand it. But for the people that are just on the surface level of things, they see that and they don't see balanced or they don't see this, then they don't really know what they're, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's a hard line to like walk, if that makes sense. And that's why I think like equipment conversations are so important because I do have that conversation with all of my clients when I do like an initial phone call to let them know like how I train and what I do and those types of things. Like part of my training, especially in-person training is like the cost of your package with me or your training session or whatever the case may be, it covers the use of whatever tools I'm going to provide. So typically the tools I'm talking about are potentially muzzles, and Mm. a harness and treats. So I, I have to make a point to tell people like the tools I'm talking about are not prong collars or choke changes, shot collars. Oh, heck no, they're not. I'm talking about the things that I'm going to use to make your life easier with your dog, to better your bond with your dog, and to help you to be able to do those things without the use of coercion or control. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, uh... I think that's a better way. I know, you know, when you're working in person, it's so much easier. I know when I used to work in person, you know what I would, I would have my certain types of harnesses and say, you know, this is the harness that I use. This is how you use it. I didn't actually include it in the price. Um, although reflecting now, I probably should have, but at the same time, I mean, if you think, you know, that you go to, let's say a balance trainer and they tell you that there's an e-collar, we're talking about like $200 easily. Yeah. And then, you know, if there's anything else on, on top of that, um, to me, I might be saying like, okay, here's a harness. That's like, I don't know. Um, they ranged anywhere for me for like 35 pounds to maybe like 45 pounds. So we're talking about maybe no more than like $55. Then you might have a clicker, but I would usually tell you to pick up a clicker on Amazon that you can get a, a few clickers um, for a couple of pounds. And then we're talking Mm -hmm. about leashes, you know, that's all. And then treats. I usually bring my own stuff. (laughs) 
It probably, yeah. now that I'm reflecting on this, I probably, all my clients were super, super lucky. Cause I was like, I just need a batch <laughs> of like liver. Here's some of it for your dog. Um, but I think, you know, that offers a really succinct way to just say like, look, here is the package of what we're going to use. And if we looked at the price of that compared to the price of, you know, an e-collar, I mean, I just, for me alone, because I'm quite frugal anyway, I would be like, what is this e-collar going to do for me? Like, you know, right? is this going to do all of the, that's going to be on my mind if I was just a normal, you know, dog guardian. Um, but I, you know, I can see kind of, and again, like for me, I think I never want anyone to feel negative. I do. And I'm sure, you know, you do too. Like I work with clients who come from those backgrounds of using tools because they're in a place where they feel like they were maybe, you know, snake oil salesmen kind of getting, <laughs> who is that? But I feel like in that situation, you know, it's that kind of snake oil, snake oil salesman, you know, telling you the thing when you're in that kind of emotional place and you really want some help for your dog and you love your dog. I mean, why would nobody goes to any type of trainer if, you know, they don't on some level, maybe you might be annoyed with your dog, but at the same time, you love your dog and you really want to do something for them to make your life, their life, everybody's life easier. So I never hold it against those, you know, guardians who go and they're, they've been using something and maybe it does work for a little while and maybe they start to see fallout and things like that. But whew, I mean, tools like are just, I feel like tools can sometimes be a little bit of a, a nightmare. And I'm glad that you mentioned the tools that you use, because I mean, I would say those perfectly align with the ones that I use. Yeah. And that's like the big thing. I'm sorry again for all of that barking. Somebody <laughs> knocked on my front door, I think, and Narco is locked in the room with me because he typically is very quiet. But once the other dogs start going, he goes, story of my life. Um, it happens. Right before right? the and podcast, Scott was like, oh, um, you know, should, do you want me to take Lycan into the other room? And he was like, no, you know what? It's a, it's a podcast about dogs. If there's barking dogs in the background, that's like, ambiance <laughs> right like, yeah, normal. Kind of. um <laughs> probably not if you got a treat listening else, to apparently. it yeah but not if people are listening to it on a speaker maybe not but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> or in their car with their like dogs in the back seat oops yeah my bad norco apologizes <laughs> that was a very small bark people very small right. um but I think that's, you know, yes, we are going to talk about tools today. And I'm glad that you mentioned kind of what you, and we'll dive into a little bit more of that in, in this episode. But I think as kind of like, well, although we already really touched on it, I mean, what would you say for the tools that are often kind of toted as, you know, popular kind of those um quick fixes, although they're not really looked at quick fixes, I suppose, they're kind of packaged as, you know, this is going to be the tool that helps you do the thing. Or what I've seen a lot more of now is even balanced trainers are saying things like, you know, oh, you got to put in the work because the tool isn't going to do everything for you. So it's like, ah, but I thought this was something that was going to get us that quick response. So, I mean, what do you feel about maybe those kind of advertisements, that kind of marketing that happens 
with people where they want to give you a tool because this looks like this is going to be that life-saving tool? You know what? I have a really hard time with it. I really do. So like by definition, a quick fix is like problem solving, but the whole thing is, is like, what exactly are you looking at as a problem for me? Like if you're, you know, your primary issue is my dog pulls on leash. Um, if somebody gives you a quick fix for that, you're only dealing with the behavior that comes from an underlying reason. You're not actually changing the underlying issue or reason, right? Mm -hmm. So by definition for me, a quick fix does not solve what you're looking to do. Does that kind of make sense? Like it's kind of one of those, like if you're being given or offered a tool that promotes itself as a quick fix or a trainer that says, oh, I can fix these issues in, I'm sorry, I'm clapping right beside the microphone because I'm a hand talker. Um, (laughs) If it fixes these things, like they're, they're guaranteeing you results in six weeks or less, like, no, no, no. Yeah. No, like nothing happens good in six weeks. I mean, like, let's think about all the basic functions that people try to stop. So like losing weight, quit smoking, biting your nails, you know, like, uh, all, you know, all of these things that we try not to do, and there's all these really quick fixes. And I mean, most of the people that you speak to, it's like, that isn't, that's not happening. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I can speak from literally being that I bit and still kind of do bite my nails. It's been almost like 25 years, you know, like I still have a hard time with it. It's for underlying reasons of like boredom and my brain not stopping and, you know, those types of things. And then like, I also smoked for a while. It Mm. took me a long time to be able to like, I I was able to quit smoking and just drop it. No problem a couple of times, but I always went back to it. You know what I mean? To actually get long-term results and to see an extinction of that behavior and a want and need for that. And to like, you know, all of those things, even it's been, honestly, I have a tracker on my phone. It's probably been just over three and a half years or something like that. And my, my current partner, Alex, he's like one of the big reasons that I was able to quit smoking. He was so helpful in that entire process and helping to keep me accountable and all of those things. And I think it, it stands to reason like it's it's very similar because like to this day every so often I'll go out and I'll be on a patio having a beer or something like that and I'll smell cigarette smoke and I'll be like oh I could really go for a smoke right now and I'm like you know what no why would I do that I absolutely hate it I know I hate it I don't like the taste of it I don't enjoy what it does to me I don't like the gross the color on my fingers like all of those things and I'm like but I still years later have that thought. You know what I mean? That thought still pops Mm -hmm. into the back of my brain. And I think that people really need to understand that that's how the learning processes work and how behavior change works and how it happens. And that's why so many of these things, there is no quick fix. It's just, it's not a thing. And when you are looking for a quick fix, typically what you're getting is behavior suppression. You're not actually quote unquote fixing anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things where Yes, it might have like a surge and a boost of you being like, yes, I'm going to do this. But we also, you know, we have higher thinking processes. We can kind of work through things like that. We don't know necessarily, you know, what our dogs are thinking in those situations. But the main takeaway from that is it's not done from choice. When you decide 
to quit smoking, when you decide to, you know, stop biting your nails, when you decide you want to lose weight, that has to be a conscious decision that you make. And then you take active steps to start doing that. You know, you decide which the dogs in no situation goes, you know what, I'm, I'm really pulling on lead a lot lately. I think I should do something to stop that. <laughs> you know, it's not. And I think that's where, for me, the, the line is drawn is that there is no, participation in that for the dog, whereas we can. Um, but, you know, like I said, we see that where it's hard enough for us, where we have those cognitive processes, where we can think about and we can, you know, pep talk ourselves and we can modify our environment for ourselves and we can do all of those things and we still fail. So why do we think that, you know, having a dog, having some kind of quick fix is A, going to be healthy and be at all any sort of situation that the dog wants to be a part of. Yeah. I'm so, so glad that you just said that the way that you said that, um, like that it would be healthy Yeah, because I think that's the part that, uh, a lot of times a lot of people don't consider, or they, they think they're considering it and they just don't really hit the mark or, you know what I mean? Like, it's so important that the choices that we make are healthy, both physically and mentally for not only us, but our animals and vice versa, not only our animals, but for us, if I'm making a choice, that's the most healthy and appropriate choice for my dog, but it does not align with my needs. I'm going to have to modify something, right? Like, and vice versa. I don't want to ever have clients or, you know, whatever the case may be, put themselves in a situation where they're stressed, they're uncomfortable, they're unhappy, they're experiencing aversion, but their dog is doing well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that is also not a life for either party. So it's really important to me in terms of, especially those tools that we kind of align that with both people. So like, for example, I, you know, I've had clients who are elderly and they get a really large dog because they love these large lap dogs. They wanted a great day and they've always wanted them their whole life. Now that they're retired, they can finally care for that animal and yada, yada. But I can't walk my dog more than five feet because he drags me off my feet and I'm going to break a hip. Like those types of things are important to kind of consider. And even with the use of tools, they're like, you're not always going to have an easy, correct, direct answer for that person. And you're sure as heck not going to have a quick fix for that type of situation that isn't going to cause one or the other party harm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, that leads us on to, I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about tools, you know, that are on the side of what we don't use, but I think, you know, it's one of those things where... I would hope by now, you know, if you're new to the podcast, then obviously, you know, that warrants um, explaining, but hopefully, you know, you're this far into this episode, you might know some inkling that we don't tend to use um, and recommend, and we're not huge fans of aversive tools or tools that are utilize punishment or some sort of correction to the dog to change behavior. So I mean, what do you feel about that? Is there anything that you want to say about those types of tools before we get into a little deeper on the ones that we would recommend? Um, I mean, the only things that I really would want to say is realistically, if you're making a choice to use those tools, then there's something missing from your repertoire, if that makes sense. Mm. So 
if you're if you're making a choice to use a tool that implements punishment, pain, fear, intimidation, discomfort in order to change behavior, you're not going to get what you want. And if you do get what you want to start, it's not going to be helpful long term. And if it is helpful for a little while, you're going to see a lot of fallout in the end. Like evidence prove this there's science to back this up like i don't just say those things because i don't want you to punish your dog like everybody is going to punish their dog some way sometime we are all human like you know again we've talked about in our barking podcast when your dog starts to bark the first thing you do is yell at him that's a form of it whether it works the way you want it to or not sometimes right like it's the learner that chooses the way or the quadrant that that stuff all falls into. So I think for me, it's just important to know and understand and have the most amount of knowledge surrounding the tool you're using and to be compassionate in your choices. So that, I mean, that's all I really have to say about it. I'm the same as you, Renee. Like I don't, I don't love talking about the things we don't use and why we don't use them. I'd rather tell you all about the things we do use and why we use them and the good that comes with them. Because what person wouldn't rather choose the good than the bad you know what I mean like if you're in a situation with friends or family or whatever the case may be are you going to choose the combative difficult hard way that's going to create issues for everybody or would you rather try to choose the positive way that's going to create change and maybe better your relationships and if you answer that question with the latter instead of the former you're our kind of people and please continue listening to this podcast if you started with the former (laughs) I mean, I was like, oh, I only have a couple things to say. That was a lot of things to say, but (laughs) all of them are true and all of them align with how I feel about those tools and those things. So like, yeah, let's get onto the good part of it. Let's get onto the, what we use and why we use it. But I also think, you know, I will often direct people to, I think that that's part of what I do on social media is to use those, that platform as an educational piece. So if Mm -hmm. you are you know, thinking along the lines, because I don't want to exclude anybody from the equation, but if you are thinking kind of along the lines of, you know, what is this, you know, positive reinforcement, you maybe have heard terms like purely positive, which are extremely, you know, defamatory, because that's not at all what we do. But going to my Instagram, having a look around, you know, there are lots of kind of bits of information on there that you can read through, digest. And, you know, I'm always open to conversations with people who legitimately want to do better for their dogs. So if you are listening and you're kind of trying to gain that information about, you know, thinking about maybe switching over or trying to do better for your dog, but you're just not there yet, that's okay. It's, it's fine. You know, we need time to digest things. We need to let a little bit of that simmer. But I think sometimes at the core, when we're looking at our dogs, we're seeing the dog's behavior We're you know, feeling very passionate about using certain tools that we, I suppose, have idealized in certain ways or um, people on social media have idealized in certain ways, um, there is a space for you to talk about that. There is a space for you to feel like you want to transition over. Um, And like I said, there's lots of information on my Instagram where you can kind of go peruse, you know, digest. And if you want to have a conversation about it, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. I will not hold any sort of malice towards you as long as your intentions are that you absolutely do want to do better for your dog because I'm not going to debate with you at all. Yes. 
Thank you so much for that because that's literally all of the things I feel and don't know how to yeah. say. You know what I mean? No. Like I'm always it's like, hard, I don't want right? to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's but hard. it's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Like always. And I never, you know, a long time ago, I probably wouldn't have, I wasn't in that place whatsoever. I would have been like, it's a fight to the death. But now <laughs> I'm a little bit more like, because I have worked with so many clients that have come from that background. And I understand, I think the whole kind of, um, misunderstanding is that people who use positive reinforcement don't understand how these tools work. And that's, for me, that's not true at all. Like I have watched lots of videos when I have the emotional bandwidth, I have a very good understanding of how the tools function, what their purpose is. I, and that makes it even stronger in my conviction of not to use them. Um, but at the same time, it's also given me more scope to be like, wow, if I was a regular, you know, dog, which I, I used a halty on Nero. So Nero had a halty for, I don't know, six months, maybe a little bit longer. The only reason why I stopped using it was because one day I turned around, he had gone up someone's backside to push it off his face. And that was an embarrassing <laughs> moment for me. And I, you know, I, that's true. It was an embarrassing moment for me. And then I looked at him and I was like, Oh, he hates this. Like he's hated this for a while. Why am I doing yeah. this to him? So, you know, I, not to say that I've used anything, you know, more than that, but at the same time, I can empathize with that feeling of being like, I just don't want you to pull me anymore. And he's a strong puller. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, under, I understand that. So I can understand or empathize with like, you know, shame and, you know, frustration and, you know, yeah. that whole kind of dichotomy that happens between, you know, you want people to think that you're a great dog guardian and not to judge you and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I sure. totally get it. Um, and that's, that's only come about as I've continued to do what I do, but again, that only happens if somebody really wants to, and I can usually tell pretty quickly, happy, happy to discuss more than happy to discuss, but not to debate whatsoever. Yeah. I, I just don't have the time. That's just it. And that's my feeling too, is that mm -hmm. like, if you're there to have a legitimate conversation and improve your learning and understanding and your dog and yours life. I'm here for that. I will give you grace all day long and I will hold some for myself because I, you know, like I did five minutes ago, like saying, I don't want to have that conversation. It's not that I don't want to have a good conversation about the mm. positive things and whatever. It's that exactly like you said, I don't want to debate the efficacy and the ethical and moral issues I have with punitive methods. That's yeah. my thing, right? Like those are not I've had that conversation so many times. I stand pretty firm in my belief. I am always a person that's very open to learn and grow. I'm always going to hold space for the people around me, no matter what the reason. But if you're literally just coming to try to teach me different, that's not what I'm here for. So you, yeah. you said it perfectly. You absolutely said it perfectly. And I appreciate that because I have a hard time saying it well. So I'm going to use some of the lines that you just, uh, you just said in the future. <laughs> I might just write them down. So, yeah. and of course it's taken me a while that, like I said, it's taken me a while to get to that, that space. Cause that was not, you know, me a few years ago, that was not me. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, no. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, you know, 
it's okay. You want to have a conversation? That's cool. Um, but yeah, I will shut down anything that is a threat to my mental health now. So yes, yes. <laughs> I need to learn to do that more for sure. I definitely do. It takes a while. Um, it's oh. taken me about, I don't know, two, I think the first year for me of my business. So this is like uh, year four, which just, we just had yeah, it's your birthday and my business birthday, um, which I, I was so busy with clients over the weekend. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. Oh, Oh, because it was the 15th. And so it was like the 16th and I was like at the end of the 16th. And I was like, nah, I can't oh, post no. about it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's taken me probably, probably the first year was the worst year for me. I was very frantic. The second year I was slowly third year I was like boom and then so this year yeah not not an issue whatsoever um yeah. okay so we've we pushed that negativity away um yeah. let's talk about the good stuff so yeah. we mentioned harnesses now I I seem to have gotten some kind of um like unofficial harness title where people come to me all the time and are like, I want some guy that's not a hard, I mean, I get the question all the time. You talk about good harnesses. What is a good harness? So I uh, have pinned on my in, um, Pinterest, in my Pinterest, on my Instagram, <laughs> um, how to find a good harness. So what are you, I know you mentioned the harness that I think is probably one of, one of the most popular harnesses. And that's the, uh, is it the freedom one? Which one was the one that you mentioned? The one I mentioned was the easy walk. It's easy similar walk, to it. the yeah. freedom, but yeah. a little less great. Yeah. So what would you say? So you said that you would not recommend that one to clients. Do you want to give a little brief kind of um, why that may not be one you would recommend? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So like keeping it, really simple. Let's go brief, informative, friendly, factual. Let's go that way. I, f I forget where I heard that acronym, but BIF is I a great that. acronym. What I love that? it so I'm going to use that. That's going to be on social media soon. So friendly, right? brief, informative, it? friendly, factual. Brief. It's super helpful. So for me, um, it, they are not a good fit for every body type of dog for one. So you may end up with discomfort, um, rubbing, uh, redness of the skin, irritation, all of those things with those types mm. of harnesses Two, they can be aversive quite easily. They can be aversive. Mm. That's why they stop the pulling. Um, yeah. they typically, um, they tighten similar to a martingale and what they do is they redirect the dog in towards the handler, which we can do without that tightening and without the pulling in of the shoulders and all of those fun things. Um, on top of it, they might be, uncomfortable with the placing and removal of those types of harnesses because they either have to go over the head or you have to do a lot of touch when you're placing or removing them. Um, and another, they're not an end all be all. If they stop pulling for a short period of time, a lot of dogs will learn just like a lot of other tools to work right through them because they decide that the discomfort isn't worth the stopping of the behavior, that the behavior is more rewarding than the discomfort that the harness causes. So they do work like that. They work through the use of discomfort. I would honestly rather recommend somebody does a leash loop than uses a harness like that. Like for me, that is a, 
if safety is a concern for say like an elderly person on the off chance an animal might pull, we would use that or, you know, something along mm. those lines. Um, like I have in the past recommended, um, for example, a very elderly woman was using a prong collar on her Great Dane, which I kind of rec- like talked about it before, but and like recommending something like this instead so that if the pulling does happen, we have a better chance of stopping it safer and easier. So those are like the really quick ones. I'm sure I'm missing a few there. And I think these are some things that do happen with harnesses. So a client the other day, um, she was switching from a collar to a harness. I won't talk about collars in just a second, but um, she was switching from collars to a harness. And so I always tell my clients, look, if you have any any questions at all, really, but if you have questions about harnesses and you're thinking, mm, is this the right one? You know, Does it fit the bill? send me the ones that you are looking at and I can give you, you know, information about them because I do, that's probably why I have the title for like, yeah, <laughs> of harnesses. Cause I'm just, sure. I don't know. That's, that's my thing, I suppose. Um, and yep. so she sent me a bunch of harnesses and very instantly I was like, yes, yes, no, this has a, um, a cinching mechanism on it. And so that I would definitely not recommend. This one doesn't look like this would fit appropriately. So she ended up getting, um, there were like three out of maybe the five or six that she sent to me that I was like, yes, these are ones. So it can be sometimes a little tricky if you don't know necessarily what you're looking for. And I think that with the it's a little more obvious with those because they go across the chest and that's definitely yeah. one that I don't recommend, but Immediate there are, obstruction. yes, yeah. yes. But there are some that have the right or quote unquote, right kind of, um, structure, but they might have smaller bits on them, which might be potentially aversive to the dog. So there's one from Halty that comes to mind, which, <clears throat> has a really lot of adjustment, but at the same time, it goes up into the armpits around and then it will tighten as the dog pulls. And so that one, a lot of people will get for puppies because it's for here in the UK, it's easily accessible in pet stores, but also they'll think, oh, I really want something that's going to grow. So Absolutely. I think, you know, you kind of touched on that, which was not necessarily to go up the head, not a lot of handling. You know, I want to, like I said, with Nero um, and Lycan's harnesses, I want them to kind of put them on. So they just slip over their head. There's, you know, clip, clip, and that's kind of it. You know, we'll attach the the lead and we're on our way. So it's a very simple process. um, And there's not a lot of fuss when it comes to it, which I think you know, I think some of us females have probably put on some kind of like Spanx or something occasionally. And there's <laughs> yeah. so much frustration where you're like, ugh, ugh, ugh. like sometimes I say to Scott, like, I'm going to jump and you just hold on to this. <laughs> but I mean, imagine you're having to put that on day in, day, day out to like go and do normal functions. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's not a great process. We don't, Honestly. we don't want. <laughs> Right. Like, but like, like seriously, bras come to mind. Yes. I, I do you have a bra that does bras. not fit well. Uh-huh. You do not like that process. And honestly, like I'll, even my partner has said many a time, like there's underwear that he's like, oh, hell no. I don't wear that underwear. I just keep it for whatever <laughs> no. reason. One day I'll throw it out. But like you tend to go like, especially like for me, speaking of bras would be my like biggest one to use mm. to describe it is like, 
I have like 15 bras. I cycle through three because I yep. hate the fit. I like they're just they're uncomfortable. They obstruct my movement. They hurt my mm-hmm. back. Like all of those things. And like those are all things that we're talking about when it comes to these harnesses too. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, absolutely. That is one of the things that I do. If I have like a female client, I'm generally like, it's like a bra, you know, like it's really, you know, imagine that in that situation where you have some really good ones. You have some ones that you're like, that's my fancy one that I know hurts the heck out of me. And I'm not going to wear that one. Um, so again, like if you had a choice, I mean, I pick ones now that are just like, you know, like kind of like sports bra ones that are super easy to put on. They're super comfortable. I feel good in them. Like no more of like underwire and all that other kind of like, pfft, I know that's like very special occasion. If I need to get dressed up every day is going to yeah. be as you know simple as possible. So again, same with our dogs. We really want to have something that your dog feels good. It doesn't, it doesn't kind of like you know, cinching into them. It isn't really snug and causing, like you said before, kind of like, you know, rub it, you know, the bra straps where you're like digging it. You don't want any of that kind of stuff. You want a really nice, comfortable harness that your dog is enjoying putting on. And that tends to be, they're either generally for me called um, the Y front harness, or I will say the, if you're looking at the top of the dog, it looks like a H if you're looking at the top of the dog from the side. So you want something that runs along the spinal column down across kind of the uh, chest area away from the armpit and then slopes into the chest from the top of the neck or sorry, the bottom of the neck. And so as little fabric as possible for me. So I just switched Nero. He wasn't a perfect fit and it was not the perfect fit and it hadn't been the perfect fit for a while. So I was really searching and I actually bought, (laughs) um, we bought five, I bought five harnesses to try on him. I bought the same one that Lycan wears, which the one Lycan wears is great. It's from, um, what is it from? Oh, it's just completely slipped my mind. Anyway. Um, yeah, tried lots of them on Nero. He's got a slightly odd shape, you know, that kind of whippity body. So I actually had him one made from a uh, indie dog. It okay. is yep. an amazing harness. Like I'm ordering more. Instantly, I was like, Scott, I need more harnesses. <laughs> I was like, we just got one. I was like, no, I need more. Like these are great harnesses. Fits him really well. I mean, we had a little bit of an adjustment. Um, it was kind of sloping a little bit on him. It's such, I mean, these quality of harnesses are just beautiful. They're really, really, and they're handmade. They're beautifully crafted. Um, so love that harness on him now. And it's, it's for some dogs, I do appreciate that trying to find a harness that fits the dog rather than a harness, uh, a dog that fits into, is that the wrong way around? Trying to find a dog that fits into the harness or a harness that fits into the dog. Yeah, it's I not making it's not making sense know. in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you said it, and I was like, no, that's right. And then you questioned it, and I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I think I'm not sure. Is, uh, you find a harness that fits your dog. You don't go. Yes, like, yes, that yes. makes more sense. When you say it, I'm like, yeah, um, yeah, what she said. Um, yes. So I would say that it's it's hard to do that because you kind of have the cookie cutter harnesses, but 
I mean, I've had him one that was custom made before um, and it just had too much padding in it. But this one has very little, has a little bit of kind of um, fleece at the bottom, which for him, he has very thin skin, again, more of a whippity body. So I wanted a little bit of cushion of that, but there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of oomph to the harness itself. It's really yeah. well made. It's really nice. I mean, it's better, dare I say it, it's better than the perfect fit, like in quality, but it's just not, you know, it, he li he likes putting it on. I think, you know, it's, it's not bothering him like it was the perfect fit was just a little too close to his kind of armpit area and it wasn't sitting as far back as I wanted, whereas this yeah. one does sit sit very, and fully adjustable is like a five pointed, it's really, really, I mean, it, I can't even describe how well made it is. It's got little like, that. this is not indie dog, like promotion, they have not told me to promote this or anything. <laughs> I'm just really in love with this harness and please don't anybody order because there's like a four week wait and I need to get more of them. So I will do that before this <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not waiting um, yeah totally fair <laughs> but yes I think that for me harnesses kind of you know it can be tricky it absolutely can be tricky um I liked when I bought all the ones off of Amazon because I could return them uh it, it was a bit of like a parade of harnesses for a couple of weeks but I think in the end, I just realized there isn't really a harness to, to fit him. And I just had to go the, the handmade route, but do not regret it at all. What about you? As far as harnesses, do you have any brands that you kind of like that fit that, you know, bill of what you think is a good quote unquote harness? Yeah. So, um, one of the ones that I really like, um, I think it's hockey hockey um oh my goodness I just recommended it to a client the other day um and it specifically fits her large dog very well it's Hakihana or Hakia Hakiahana um it's more of like a custom fit um mm. it's a little larger uh, and her dog is very deep chested. So he's a Doberman. Um, so he like barrel chest on this dog, but thin, 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 tiny body. So it's kind of like, honestly, it's like trying to find pants for me. Like, it's just a thing. Like you might go to the same store and try on the same size that you've worn your entire life and they're not going to fit. And you just need to find something better. So I do have a few brands, like, like, like that's one of them that I typically yeah. recommend. Rough wear is definitely one of them. Mm. There's a Canadian brand, um, who for the life of me, it's, it's, slipping my brain but they're made in bc and i think it's mountain mountain dog wear or rocky mountain dog i think it's rocky okay. mountain dog. um their harnesses are wonderful so are their backpacks if you ever plan to do any type of like i do a lot of camping with my dog um this is very known of me i do a lot of backwoods camping so when i'm you know portaging a canoe with a 60 pound pack on me i sure as heck don't also want the 15 pounds of my dog's food that he's carrying like he carries his own stuff um so and obviously like i he has to have an appropriate fit for that because i do not want it to cause any issues for him ever and if he ever is at the point where it is we are done like we stop we do not continue so it, um rocky mountain dog makes a really great one um and backpack as well and their backpack and harness is a combo that you actually can unclip the satchels so it just the harness that comes with it is great and they have a lot of different 
sizes and fits that work well for different dogs. It's not just like a, this is exactly what you need for this size dog. Like it, they are a little more structured and because they are a Canadian company that also makes me really happy because I like to support, obviously it's not local for me. I'm in Ontario, but I like to support small businesses. I like to support, um, at home, all of those types of things. So I would definitely recommend them. Rocky mountain dog. They're a huge one for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, like brands aren't really a big thing. Like I have a few go-to brands when it comes to people asking for harnesses, but again, like each dog is a complete individual. Like I'm not going to recommend the same harness for a dachshund that I would recommend for a Doberman. I'm not going to recommend the same, like for a lab that I'm going to recommend for a Bernie's mountain dog. Like it's just, there's always going to be differences and you really do, like you said, Renee, you really do need to find the harness that fits your dog. Don't just go looking for the harness that everybody has, or, you know, the, that is specifically recommended of course <laughs> cue the dog he's like yeah you tell him mom <laughs> yeah seriously he's like i hear somebody's going for a walk without me <laughs> yeah i mean it's it is hard right because and i think that's why it's nice that there are so many out there on the market is because you have to like april you kind of have to try a few ones on and be like yeah i like this one or i like the feature of that one but at the same time you know you have to think about what's going to be good for you to wear on a regular basis um because it can get really annoying quickly. And, you know, that tends to kind of come out on our dogs in a way of, you know, oh, he's not wanting to put his harness on or um, one that I just had the other day, which was an in-person client and we were going to do some behavior modification. And I said, could we just pop on his harness and his lead? Because uh, we were working on him kind of running to the TV. He didn't like seeing other animals on the TV. So we were going to work on counter conditioning that um and i just wanted to have a little bit of a safety mechanism to save him from running around and you know cutting even more over aroused in the situation and he did not want to put that harness on and so it was interesting to me because when i looked at it i saw something different than what the dog guardian saw so the dog guardian saw he's really excited about putting on his harness. And I was like, I don't think he is. I think he is avoiding putting on the harness because there's excited, but he keeps backing up. So he keeps backing up and sitting away from you. And then you touch it. And then he starts doing a lot of these behaviors that are for me, very reminiscent of frolic or that fawn, you know, that behavior that's going to be like, I don't really know how to cope with this. I'm, you know, yes, there might be some excitement there from we are going to go outside and, you know, that. But the other thing that she mentioned to me was on a walk, he will walk so far and then he wants to go home immediately. And so I was like, hmm, that's interesting too. So for me, when I'm looking at that and she's like, oh, just stop, you know, you know, calm down, which of course, you know, that I'm not gonna say to her, like, please don't do that. I'm just saying like, oh, okay, this is coming to me now where I'm thinking this isn't what you thought it was. This is something else. And so we, unfortunately his harness is a very strange harness because it doesn't unclip at the front and it doesn't unclip on one side at the back. So you have to, you have to put a leg through 
but it clips on the other sides. And so that obviously can be a little problematic if your dog won't stay still and you're trying to get them to like lift legs. So, um, we were, we're going to switch his harness and we're going to help him feel, you know, really good about it and things like that. But I'm just like, I don't even know how to, you know, explain because she, she bought that at the pet store and she was like, well, this was the best one that they had apparently. And I was like, yeah, I completely appreciate it because I know the store because I've been there before and they don't, they don't have a good selection of harnesses whatsoever. But that is manifesting as I don't want to put my harness on. I don't want to put my harness on. I'm uncomfortable with the whole situation. And she would have probably gone on. Well, what she told me was, which again, no um, disrespect to her in any sort of way, because it works. But she said, oh, all I have to do is put him up on the counter and he stops and I can put it on him. And I explained Mm. to her what was happening when that was, you know, when she was doing that. And she went, oh, yeah, I wondered why. I just thought he thought that's where he puts his harness on. And she was like, now that you explain it to me, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and he's a small dog. So like, she's not putting a Malamute on the counter or anything yeah. like that. He's a small yeah. dog. Um, yeah. <laughs> just had a vision of like, I didn't say what kind of dog he was. Um, but yeah. And so even that is like, how would she, how long would it have gone on before she maybe made the pieces you know, fit that, oh yeah, he's, he's not super thrilled about the harness. I mean, I just had a case recently where, um, the dog was three. They had had the whole entire lifetime of the dog, not wanting to go for walks, but specifically the harness. And so it had gotten Mm -hmm. to the point when they called me and that they had been bitten uh, quite a few times. And so, we had to work through what that was, what it turned out to be in the end wasn't the harness, but it actually was the basket that the harness was kept in. This was a very anxious dog. um, And they had just moved and there were all these kind of like antecedents that were going on. And so what we found out was, okay, she doesn't bite you because of harness. Harness isn't the problem. There's something to do with that basket. So they got rid of the basket and there was no issue. So I mean, sometimes it, it's not even the harness, but you could go, well, you know, which is why they contacted me. It was, was we, do we need to get another harness? I mean, can we just use a collar? What, what do we have to do for this? And then in the end they could use the harness because it wasn't the harness anyway, but yeah, you know, these things manifest in really, really different ways. And we may yeah. not always catch it. And if we just get another, you know, or if they were just using a collar or, you know, it might be a halty, it might be, a, you know, we don't know how far that will spread in any sort of sense. But um, yeah. I think that's a great kind of segue, if, unless you have anything else to say about harnesses. Um, I mean, kind of. The only thing that I would say about that as well is like, if you are struggling with something with a harness, um, not only following those kind of like ideals that we just threw out there, but also understanding that there can be sensitization happening when you're constantly putting your dog into an item that they don't enjoy, which can roll over Mm. into other things. Right. So like, especially things, for example, like you just said, having to put, um, a single paw through a harness before you can put it on to fully clip it. Sometimes that can sensitize a dog for grooming. Like now that dog is very uncomfortable with you lifting and picking up their paws in order to cut their nails because they've been sensitized by this repetition of, disliked things happening. Does that kind of make sense? The words I used right there weren't appropriate, but, and the only (laughs) other thing I would say is like, 
Um, let's kind of like just recap that. So using that, like, yeah, we'll go back to our BIF acronym here. So essentially we don't want it to obstruct the dog in any way, shape or form. So appropriate fitting, um, and like make sure it's not super loose, make sure it's not super tight. Um, mm. harnesses that do tighten on the body as a way to stop pulling can be considered aversive, which is why I typically like, you know, we wouldn't recommend them. Um, and then I guess the only other thing I think we said not putting over the head and maybe potentially needing to change your harness with your dog as they age and grow. And I think that's something to understand with like all pieces of equipment with your animal. Like if you use a crate, you're not going to use the same crate that your dog had at four months old or a month old as you are when they're 10. It's probably not going to continue to fit them unless you've made a point to find one that you can make smaller and slowly gets bigger and bigger and those types of things. So um, anything else in a recap there? I think that kind of covers most of it. I think as well, what we mentioned, which was a little sticky is to find a <laughs> harness um, that fits your dog and not trying to put your dog in a cookie cutter harness. Yeah. So you might Absolutely. have to get one made, maybe. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that brings us on kind of to, to collars. I mean, I don't have a huge, and when we're talking about collars in this, we're kind of talking, or at least I'm gonna talk more about kind of your flat collars. I personally don't use um, martingales. I have used them in the past, but just because I was under the guise that Nero needed one because he has a whippity body shape. So, um, you know, that's what I was kind of advised from the rescue. I never used it for corrections. He actually wore it super, super loose. Um, but, and he was a very wide one. I think I always got a, a two inch one, but, um, sometimes they can be safety mechanisms. So I have had clients in the past where they have, um, Maybe they're very, very worried about a dog getting out of a harness. And so we might use the mechanism of another attachment to a martingale, but the main attachment is on the harness itself. Yeah. You can get those little kind of like, um, I believe, are they called safety clips? The clip from the collar to the harness, the small ones. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, safety kind of, tethers or safety. safety th yeah, yeah, you can get those made if that is something that you're concerned about. Um, but flat collars pretty much are going to be what we're discussing because we did yeah. mention that we weren't going to be talking about aversive collars. Um, yeah. I but, would like to throw yeah. a quick caveat in there because you mentioned that it was a recommendation from the rescue. And yeah. so again, one of those things is a recognize and know that not every rescue has a team of trainers or behavior consultants or anything along those lines. So if you're getting information from someone from a rescue, it's not always a great source of information for one, yeah. but for another, I will say I do work in a shelter setting. I do work with a lot of rescues. A lot of them do use martingales or slip leads, and they might advise you to use a slip lead in conjunction with a regular harness and collar or something along those lines for safety in case that animal is a flight risk. So in, in the shelter setting, we do put martingales on every animal um, to ensure that, especially where we are in the city, that they can't get out of them. So essentially the only reason that the martingale is used is so that if a dog attempts to flee, it 
tightens just enough to stop them from being able to get out of the collar. So that's what Renee, you meant when mm. you were talking about it being a safety thing. And a lot of places do yeah. recommend that. And I, I will say one of the reasons that we do it in a shelter setting is because it is far more financially okay to purchase martingales and use them on every animal than it is to attempt to try an appropriate fitting harness for every dog that walks through our doors. If we had the financial ability to put an appropriate fitting harness on every animal that walks through the doors, that would likely be the choice that we make. So that's where that caveat is. And if that, if mm. you do have an animal that might be a flight risk, oftentimes, and hopefully whatever rescue or shelter or whatever, if you're going that way, or hopefully breeder or whatever the case down the line is advising you to do is actually use both a harness and a collar, like Renee has just said, so that we avoid the potential for aversives and or kind of have two points of contact for that animal so that they're less likely to if they slip out of a harness because they wriggle a lot or whatever the case may be you have that backup of a collar or vice versa does that kind of make sense yeah absolutely touched yeah. on everything without like we will still recommend that a lot of places do um but know that once that animal is in your home there are other things that you can do that are more appropriate than just this simple martingale collar that you know whatever right yeah yeah absolutely um and I think as far as like flat collars I I don't use them anymore um I used to use them in conjunction with harnesses um just as like identification things like that but at the same time I found that it was like well, my dogs don't wear anything in the house generally anyway. So it just felt like a lot of gear to put on them. Um, and I would say the colors were there just to kind of maybe hold tags. Um, but I found a way to attach those to the harness. Um, the dogs are microchipped anyway. And then the colors became a little bit obsolete. I don't use collars for training with clients. Um, I will, if I have to, I used to have a bungee uh, leash. So if there was no harness and I didn't have a harness with me that would fit the dog, I would then attach the bungee leash to the collar and we would be very mindful of kind of where we were training and what we were asking. As far as collars go, um, I personally feel that they're, I mean, I see the place for them, obviously, but I feel like in this day and age, they're kind of a, a bit archaic. So the only times that I would probably say that a collar would be a good idea, for me at least, is if the dog has issues and concerning redirection. So then there's some sort of safety element for the dog guardian. And then they would be taught some defensive leash handling techniques to go alongside of that. Obviously yeah. the goal is always for the dog to not be triggered, but if we have a dog maybe where, you know, things in the environment happen and we're not necessarily sure and we have to take the dog out for, you know, let's say it's an apartment complex, we have to take the dog out to go to potty, but at the same time, the dog gets super aroused and redirects to the dog guardian. That would be for me a case of safety because equally for the dog, if the person gets bit and they let go of the line or the lead, 
and that dog goes running, A, the person has now been bit, you know, depending on how bad the bite is, and then the dog is loose. So we have, you know, kind of <laughs> double situations. There yeah. are ways that we could use a muzzle in that situation, but equally, you know, are we gonna put a harness on the dog, then put a muzzle on the dog just to take them out to go potty? I don't feel that that's appropriate in that situation. So yeah. I think there is a place for collars, but as far as general kind of training and behavior modification, I don't use them. I mean, even with Lycan, he had a, a collar that had a um, handle on it because I wanted kind of ways to grab him if I needed to use any sort of management on him. And what I found was the harness had a handle on it. And I went towards the harness handle far more than I went on to the collar handle. And now he doesn't wear the collar anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fair. And I will say like, so I do personally have a Martingale collar for Norco, um, mm -hmm. but Norco is an old man. And we don't use it for long walks and we don't like, so you know what I mean? Like it is literally basically just so that he's on a lead. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not for training. It's not for any of those things. And if we're on a long walk or we're actually going somewhere that isn't just from the front door to the car or whatever the case may be, he's typically in that harness or most times we try to make sure that he's in a harness and yeah. it is an appropriately fitted harness. And I think the big thing is too, is, I feel the need to always point out to people that no matter what tool you're using, they can all be, I don't want to use the word bad, but I'm going to, they can all be bad. <laughs> a harness can be bad. If you don't kind of pay attention to those things that we just mentioned, a collar can be bad. Like you can see injuries from a collar. So like when you said, like, I wanted a second way to grab lichen, I thought about a couple of weeks ago, I had a barbecue here and my, um, roommate's dog went running by because she wanted to chase the chickens and I went to kind of just like throw my hands down to catch her kind of around the chest and like belly area like normally just like how you would just stop her um and my hand caught her collar and she got a large jerk to her neck because I was mm. reaching down for her and yeah. like I don't I don't want to say it and like it's a 99% chance it won't happen but severe injuries can happen from something like that right yeah. so again like if you're walking your dog and your dog has an issue with pulling or your dog gets excited you know once or twice on a walk your dog might get excited and jerk forwards or things like that injuries can happen the cervical vertebrae are right there like muscles are around that area their trachea is right there their thyroid glands are mm. there like at plus 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 like I'm not even I'm not thinking in my appropriate anatomy brain here but like there are so many other <laughs> things that are in that area that can be damaged or injured from one jerk the wrong way and I am bringing this up because uh, Renee you know I have had spinal surgery it sucks it is not comfortable like having an injury to vertebrae or to the surrounding tissues and those types of things sucks. And dogs are very good at masking pain. And yep. if something like that happens, like, you know, that every so often, I think every dog parent has had it where something happens and your dog jerks and they kind of like spin around the wrong way, or, you know, they go running the wrong way and they run into something or they fall the wrong way. And you get that huge, big Yelp. And you're like, Oh my God, my dog is not okay. My dog is injured, blah, blah, blah. But then two seconds later, your dog's up and walking like a normal animal. And you're like, Oh, Oh, okay they're fine 
yeah. they're probably not fine. You know what I mean? Like they're very good at masking that injury. They're going to walk it off. They're going to do all of those things. So I think it's important to kind of point out that like, this is one of the reasons that I personally don't love collars. I don't recommend them for training. I don't recommend them for, you know, anything other than exactly what you've said, Renee, like the quick pee breaks or, you know, the quick run to the car or those types of things like, sure. Yep. Cool. Great. You want to use it for, you know, just your collar, like your tags and those types of things. Also not a bad idea. I personally will use a collar um, whenever Norco's swimming rather than a harness because a mm-hmm. harness is, you know, leeches can get under a harness. Harnesses can stay wet and create discomfort, like all of those things. So he has a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a rubber biothane. He has a biothane collar that he wears when he's swimming because then I don't have to clean a collar. It doesn't get gross. Like all of those other things. Yeah. Also (laughs) likes to roll in everything he finds at the shore of water. So dead fish, bird poo, like all the whole nine, he's a hound. He rolls in everything. So having that biothane collar makes things a lot easier, but overall not a recommendation. And just kind of remember that those things can happen. Although, like I said, they're very, 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 very small percentage that it does it is still a possibility. And if you have an animal that is um, either a very thick short neck or a very long skinny neck or a brachycephalic animal, I never pronounced that correctly. So please say it if I did it incorrectly. Brachycephalic. Brachycephalic. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a brachycephalic. I <laughs> That's always my veterinary it. coming out. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what? I literally just call them brachies now because I'm yeah. so sick and tired of pronouncing it incorrectly because I know, I know the word, but I never, I never pronounce it right. But if you have an animal that is a brachy, again, collars are a bad idea. I've had a lot of um, clients who have had, you know, bulldogs, pugs, um, sharpays, um, mm-hmm. chows. And they're like, Oh, my breeder recommended I use a choke chain because then it doesn't get caught in their fluff and it doesn't, you know, like it's better for them because they're short faced. And I was like, that is the complete opposite of correct. That is yeah. so not correct. So kind of bear all those things in mind. Like a, a bracky dog is going to have a difficult time breathing <laughs> in general. If you try and something like, especially dogs like that, that get excited and they pull and you hear that, like, <laughs> as they're like, no, yeah. please stop please stop please stop I hate seeing it I hate seeing it so much I actually ran into two um Boston Terriers at um I'm old enough that I go antiquing now um I was antiquing <laughs> yesterday uh with my partner and there were two Boston Terriers in a stroller and the people were like they're young puppies they're socializing them doing everything um they were getting really terrible advice from a random human being that clearly is not in great industry or whatever but both of those dogs were in collars and one of them tried to jump out of the um the little wagon they were in and the little boy who was clearly like their owner's child or whatever um grabs the dog by the collar to like keep it in the cart and it was in that immediate noise was happening and I was like this is from a young puppy so imagine five six years of pulling on that collar and I did, I, I stopped them when I had a few minutes and my partner was a few feet away. So he didn't know I was doing it because he would literally <laughs> just like eye roll and be like, you're not working right now. Like, why do you need to? But I stopped and I said, hey, like I'm a dog professional and I would really recommend like, they're very cute. It's really great that you're doing this type of socialization. I love to see that you have your treats and your treat pouch with you. This is phenomenal. Yeah. I would really recommend speaking to your veterinarian and potentially putting those dogs on a harness. It's going to be much better for their overall anatomy and like when they start to walk and those types of things. And then I was just like, oh, and just avoid flexi leashes and just kind of kept kept going. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. Like she was very happy to hear that information. And, you know, it's not everybody's going to be. I've had many people where I'm like, hey, would you mind me giving you a 
little bit of advice? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. And I just, you know, stroll off and I go about my business, (laughs) but she was really great in receiving that information and that feedback. And I literally heard her as I was a couple booths further down, I heard her speaking to her husband. She was like, Oh, that, that, you know, that girl walked over and kind of gave me a little bit of info. Like I didn't know this. And I was like, yay, you know, like sometimes it's that easy to educate. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons, like, again, callers, not great. Don't love them. And I really did just want to put, I totally went on a tangent there, Renee. Oh my goodness. All I wanted to do is give you a caveat about callers, but yeah, you're welcome. It's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to do, isn't it? Like you want to, oh, yeah. you want to just kind of like, let everybody know, like, yes, like, you know, this is, it's hard to have that conversation. I think as well, because there's so widely used and you know it's it is easy and you know I have a slip lead I use that you know when I need to do like quick transfers or if we're just going out for like a you know a very low-key sniffy walk in front of the house or whatever and or keep them in your vehicle for straight yeah dogs, yeah like yeah yeah um but I mean that's the thing is like I don't use it for training it's not for the the purposes of training and so yeah. there's the you know, the intention behind the tool. Um, And the same thing with collars. I mean, you could have a collar, your dog could, you know, I think it's unfair to say like a dog never pulls because I think my dogs are pretty good for me. And there is the occasional, you know, tightening of the leash or wanting to sniff that thing or, you know, wanting to say hi to that dog, but you're absolutely right. And, And imagine not even that it's one significant incident, but also, over time, you know, as your dog ages and that pressure that's being put every single time that is going to wear down that area. And when we look at dogs, you know, and they have issues with swallowing or, um, you know, thyroid issues or even things like lymph and all of that, like the lymph nodes being able to, to drain, you know, that pressure that's day after day after day that will cause a natural weakening of that area. Um, not to mention other tools that, you know, apply, even though, you know, we're we're not talking about that, but we're not talking about those tools. (laughs) I was going to say too, though, like, it's, it's great that you mentioned that because there is also the opposite that can happen. Like, because of the damage that is done in that area, sometimes it can build up. So like, say the slight tearing of muscle, every time your dog lunges when they're on a collar that slight tearing over time can actually build up scar tissue yeah. and cause those exact same issues as well so it's important to note that like if you're like oh no my dog's like strong big thick neck blah 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 they have tons of muscle there it shouldn't be a problem actually those dogs are at just as high of a risk because that muscle can tear that muscle can like we can create scar tissue in those areas or the body's natural response to constant pressure in that area can create things like calluses in the area of the skin and yada and that that can then have the same effect like obviously i'm not a veterinarian renee you're you're not either, right? Like we're, we're just telling mm. you the things we know and the things that can happen. Definitely speak. If you're worried about those things, chat with your veterinarian. But like the great thing is, is you can avoid that issue in its entirety or those issues in their entirety by not using a flat collar or a collar that at all, that's going to create those issues. Yeah. I mean, there's so many more harnesses on the market now. Um, I mean, sometimes I'm thinking like, I should definitely get paid for advertising harnesses. Like somebody, somebody, <laughs> you know, because meanwhile, it, they're all sitting, 
smacking their fingers <laughs> together like Mr. Burns. I know. Yes, Renee woman, she does it for us. Yeah. I think, yeah, we can, we can talk about that later, but um, yes, <laughs> I have had, I have had that feeling before in certain circumstances, but um, yeah, I mean, I wish I made harnesses because like, I mean, it was something that I contemplated for a while, but gosh knows I can't do it all. So <laughs> there won't be any plus. <laughs> Our Polish harnesses at the moment. Um, and yeah. something cool that I saw, which I like presented to Scott a while ago, was like biothane harnesses. I mean, I think those would be awesome. I saw one, I think it was on Etsy, and um, I was like, oh, but I had already bought Nero's harness, and then I was like, could I get a biothane? Of course I can. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't get it. But I think that if it's a nice soft biothane, that might feel kind of nice. And then you could even add padding to it. And I just thought that's so much. I mean, the harnesses that I have, you can throw in the wash anyway. So it's not that big of a deal, but yeah. I mean, biothane is just beautiful. And I think that very, these are beautiful kind of segues this evening. That kind of brings us into <laughs> leashes because this is for me, especially in the last few years, I have just, I mean, if you listen to the first podcast, the very first one that I did by myself, which was painstakingly ridiculous for me to make, it probably took me like a whole day. I think I spent on this 30 minute podcast because I was petrified of getting anything wrong I re-recorded it hundreds of times oh, um, no. and it's like hi welcome to dog logical I mean I was just like you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess this version up anyway that was talking about different tools that I, I mean look at me now um and that was talking about tools that I liked you know why I didn't use those certain tools and things like that and so my advice was at the time the two-point harness which I don't even use the second point at the front on dogs harnesses unless they are really strong pullers and there's some reason why we need to use them but largely I don't even advise them anymore um, and it's very easy to work without them so that has changed. The other thing was the leash that I had recommended so the leashes that I had recommended were the two-point harness going in conjunction with, sorry, the two-point leash going in conjunction with that two-point harness. So to have the clip on either end, or it's called usually like a training harness, or what I saw re recently was like a police or like police training harness, which I didn't know that that was the, that either, but it's a clip on either end that you can attach to those D-rings on the harness. And that yeah. significantly shortens your leash. So I used to have a nine yep. foot leash just to give my dogs even more space front and back, which then, you know, you probably get about four, which is about, again, the standard kind of leash size. But what are your thoughts on leashes? What do you recommend? Honestly, I personally 30 foot, 15 foot and six foot flat leashes. I don't care if they're biothane. I don't care if they're material. I don't care you know, all of those fun things. That is typically what I stick with. I personally don't like the feel of like round leashes in my hand. Um, some people mm -hmm. do, some people love it. Um, I personally don't. And I think it's just because, um, anytime I have something like that in my hand, I'm immediately thinking of rock climbing and belaying. And I'm just like, I, I hold it a certain way. I do certain things with it. So my, my 
brain and body just go into muscle memory. Um, and I just don't love the feel. Um, so I personally just stick to plain Jane old flat leashes. I typically don't recommend, um, I know you mentioned these earlier, so I'd, I'm going to love this conversation, I think, but I typically don't recommend bungee leashes mainly because most people use them because their dog has issues with pulling and every mm-hmm. single time your dog pulls forward. Yes. It's less strain on you because there's, you know, that, um, shock absorption of the bungee but every time that happens it's giving your dog what we would consider a leash correction because it's putting that immediate pressure and pulling them back towards you right like it it isn't necessarily beneficial um i don't love them they can actually be more of a pain in the butt because your dog then has an easier way to pull away and that pressure is there and all of those fun things um so yeah I, i typically suggest usually 30 foot 15 foot and six foot flat leashes. Um, and one of the reasons for that is a lot of people, somebody said this the other day, actually, um, another trainer requested a track, what we call like a traffic leash. So usually they're just a handle that attaches direct to harness or collar and keeps your dog really close to you. So for use in like situations of high traffic, so you want your dog really close to you. Um, yeah, I literally never recommend those. I, hate is a very strong word. I hate them. I hate them almost as much as I hate retractable leashes. I do not like them. I personally have seen more frustrated, reactive, uncomfortable, fearful, shut down dogs on a traffic leash than almost any other leash. Um, so yeah, I don't, they're not, I don't like them. Um, but the reason that I do recommend the 15, 36 foot leashes, um, like I said, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, requested a traffic leash for, um, a dog, um, not a trainer colleague, mind you requested this type of leash for a dog because, um, the dog in a foster parent's home is having difficulty with, um, like lunging towards small animals. So the dog has a high predatory drift. Um, and they're, like, oh, if I have a shorter leash, I'll have better control, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, you know what, though, they actually have better leverage. It's harder for you to keep control. And you'd actually be much better off to put that dog on a longer leash, say like a six or nine foot leash, so that they have more opportunity to not be pulling, because the longer the leash, the less they're pulling, right? You're not going to have a dog nine feet in front of you. Typically, they won't get that far ahead. And you have more opportunity to reward appropriate behaviors because they're not pulling. So I ended up, you know, sitting down and chatting with her on the phone and actually recommending a little bit longer of a leash than what she was using. So we got her with a 10 foot leash. And she said like within a couple of days, she was able to highly reinforce the dog being closer to her, even though it wasn't as close as she would like the dog to be, but we'll get there. It, it just meant the dog wasn't pulling because the dog wasn't used to being so far ahead. So she was given more opportunity to reward the appropriate behavior of not pulling. And therefore the dog wasn't pulling as much. So that's typically why I stick with those ones. I love long lines. I use them constantly when, and when is appropriate. Um, obviously I'm not going to recommend a 30 foot leash for somebody walking in downtown Toronto. That's not really appropriate. Um, but I am going to recommend it for somebody taking their dog on a hike or, you know, using recall training or, you know, doing all of those fun things. So yeah, those are typically the ones that I stick to. Um, I love biothane leashes just in general, because again, easier to clean, but those are kind of my thoughts. I mean, that's not really touching on a lot of the other options that are out there, but again, I think I have more negative reasons to dislike the other options that are out there and I'm trying to stick to the positive. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I mean, like I said, that was kind of where I've come from is that notion of the two points, you know, the, the two kind of ends and more of a, like a rain type situation with the dog, you know, rains like for a horse. Yeah. Uh, now I've kind of like, whoop, whoop, I flipped that on its head. And now my setup is very similar to what you've suggested. So like, as long as is comfortable, we're going to get you using your long line without the dog so that you can practice and feel good about your handling skills of the long line. And yes, that is environmentally dependent. So obviously if we're in an urban environment, it's going to be, you know, as long as you feel comfortable with or having two leashes. So like one for the pavement, one for the open park. And that way, you know, if your dog can't go off leash completely, you can give them some more room and freedom to be able to move their body. Um, my standard now is a five meter every day. And that tends to be about a 15 to 16 foot. And yep. sometimes that doesn't even, I mean, I was thinking the other day, um, this doesn't feel long enough. So I was even thinking about, could I go a little bit longer maybe? So I've been contemplating moving to maybe a 10 meter, which is going to be like a 30, a 30 foot one or so. And so, yeah, whatever feels really comfortable. I love biothene. I am a biothene convert. I actually prefer, which is really hard for me to get, but, um, I, I think I have like small to medium hands. My hands are not very big. And so I like the round biothane. Okay. Um, that feels really good to hold. Um, obviously, you know, the a regular biothane, but like a thin biothane. So I think what is that? Like a one, a one eighth, I want to say. I'm not sure. I have to remember which one I ordered, um, but like a one eighth inch, I think is, is it one eighth? I can't remember. Anyway, it fits really nicely in that kind of um, area of your palm. So like if you were looking at your hand, the space between the base of your thumb and the base of your first kind of pointer finger, that area there, that kind of fleshy bit that's a bit closer to the thumb, my line or my lead sits really nicely in that area and comes out the bottom of my hand. And so I use my thumb as an anchor where it's just wow. a little small loop and it comes through there. And that's how I essentially carry my leash. But that space, that kind of fleshy bit going down, you know, kind of cutting your palm in two with that lead, that needs to, the lead needs to be not wider than that part. Otherwise it feels really cumbersome to hold and difficult. So that's why I use a thinner one. And that's why I like that round one because it holds really nicely in that area. You have a bit of the friction from the biothane material. Um, yeah. Unlike a nylon, which usually is very thick, it's you know, feels thick. It feels a little um, uncomfortable after you've had it for a while. And for years I was using kind of like, you know, the, the nylon ones until I moved to biothane. And then I was like, Oh, this is <laughs> leather is nice too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they can love be really leashes. expensive. Yeah. But they, you know, if you get a really nice one made, then those can be some really beautiful uh, leads as well. 
Yeah. But so I mean, that makes total sense though. Sorry to cut you no, off. Sorry. So we hold leashes very differently, which can explain a lot <laughs> about people. So you almost use like a leash lock, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So for those of you that are listening to this, um, a leash lock is a method to stop the leash from moving through your hands and fingers. If a dog decides to pull or, you know, that type of thing, and also allows you to let off, um, let off pressure so that the leash can slip through and your dog can have more line. Does that a good kind of decent way to explain it? Yeah. I also use a guide hand. So like I tend to use both of my hands whenever I'm walking. So I'll have it kind of anchored in my left hand and then I'll use my right hand as a guide and then gather. So kind of reach at breach, reach in (laughs) with my, or reach outward with my guide hand and then gather to bring back and hold with my anchor hand. So yeah. I usually, that's where, and and that's what I was talking about before, like getting comfortable with that, because usually we kind of hold, some people hold the leash with two hands, um, but they kind of hold it fixed because it's much smaller versus Mm -hmm. you have a lot more to kind of play with, but yeah. 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 That's fair. So I do the similar, I've never been a fan of that, that, that type of leash lock, the one that you kind of described using the thumb. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't actually use that at all. Um, I typically have the leash, um, the, the end of the leash closest to my dog. So, um, obviously it's not going to be close to them at all, but the end of the leash actually typically comes out between my third and fourth finger. So my ring finger is what actually locks the leash. And mm-hmm. then I use the loop of the leash. So the, like the handle of the leash in the same spot. So it drapes comes out between my third and fourth finger and comes in between my forefinger and thumb. So, that has always been the most comfortable for me. And that's why I hold it. And that's, I think why I don't like round leashes, because if I try to leash lock and it's between my third and fourth finger, the round leash has higher ability to move through. Whereas the flat leash kind of gets squished, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, that's why I kind of do that. And I've, I've always kind of taught people to hold it that way. Like I know I've done, you know, a defensive handling courses and things like that, where a lot of the time that leash lock is shown. And I, unfortunately, very early on when that first started kind of coming around, I had an elderly woman who had watched a seminar that described that and she broke her thumb and forefinger trying to do a leash lock like that, like literally snapped them. Um, It was terrible. And I, ever since I've just been like, I don't, I don't, you know, like I know that I have appropriate handling skill to be able to use that leash lock whenever the heck I need to, but I typically don't, I just, I, it's not as comfortable for me. So I find yeah. that I, I don't hold the leash that way. So that makes a lot of sense. As soon as you started describing it, I was like, ha here is why <laughs> we know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, that's me though. And that's, that also stands to reason too. Like whenever you're working with a client, if I show them to hold the leash, the way that I hold the leash and they look awkward and uncomfortable and yada, yada, yada. Like I'm like, Nope, we're changing it up. That's not how we're going to do it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, obviously hands are different sizes, you know, preferences of like light, light left versus right. I was, I was combining those in my brain. So is there anything else that you would say about those kind of primary tools and you know, how, um, and we'll do a little recap, I think, at the end to just surmise exactly what we were talking about, but anything else you want to say about harnesses, collars, and leashes? No, I think, I think we've kind of covered it. I mean, I've gone on enough tangents today for, 
a whole week. Um, but useful yeah, no, I information, think- useful information. <laughs> Fair. I listened. Um, there is a podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow up another podcast, which you know what people should know about anyways. There's a podcast called Sci Show Tangents, and it is Hank Green, who is a ah. uh, science educator, as well as I'm terrible with names. Um, I should know them because I listen to it religiously and it's called SciShow Tangents because they basically do a game show about science facts and they, if they go off on tangents, they can remove points from each other and stuff like that. It's really entertaining and super fun. And I always, every time I listen to it, I'm like, that would be me. I would be going on every I think that's the tangent. Worst, the worst idea for this podcast ever. <laughs> right? Right? Gosh, we, should do, we could do just one and it would be absolutely terrible. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Nobody would win at the end of that game. Um, but yeah, so I go on tangents all the time. And honestly, like I find that I love other people's tangents because sometimes I learn so much and Mm -hmm. not even just about the information they're giving me in the tangent, but also about like them as a human being and their passion towards whatever it is they're talking about. And honestly, like I find I can learn so much about people when they wait, when they have their tangents about something that they're passionate about. Like yeah. it, it almost like sparks a light in me to be like, yeah, you go, you, you tell that tangent. Like, you know what I mean? Like I get like excited about it for other people. And then when I do it myself, I'm like, oh my God, everyone's going to hate me. I just laughed <laughs> on for 20 minutes. But like, then I try to remember how I feel about other people's tangents and it makes me feel a little bit better, but yeah, no, I think we've covered everything in terms of those. Um, I, I think that was though- a tangent about a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Uh, yeah, but I, but- I agree. I agree. And I think this is why <laughs> I think this is exactly why you're on the podcast is because it, for me, it's exactly the same. I, I love it. I love when people are getting excited about things, you know, showing that enthusiasm and it's just like spilling out of them. Like, is there anything more kind of jovial and, and, you know, endorphin kind of filling than watching somebody get really excited about something and so excited that they just can't contain it. And then there's just so many things that they want to talk about within that. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm probably a little bit biased, but I would say that that to me is also very, it's, it's good. It's fun. You should have that passion in your life to want to talk about the things, especially when it comes to very emotionally, I don't want to say draining, but draining, um, or challenging situations like what we, what we deal with, with, with dogs and very serious behavioral concerns. And so, you know, having someone who's really passionate, who's enthusiastic for you, who is, you know, your cheerleader in that sort of sense and trying to see the bright side and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, seriously, that I feel like that's what, you know, and an empathetic ear, of course, but, um, I think that makes a good behavior consultant. So you tangent on Cassie. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Now that I've been given permission. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, I do think we've covered it all though. Like I think obviously if anybody has any questions, like feel free to reach out to me or Renee in terms like our social media is however makes the most sense. If you're like, I have a question about something silly you said on your podcast the other day, like I am here for those conversations. Yeah. Um, so like, feel free. And I'm, I'm saying this for Renee because it's not like she doesn't get enough DMS as it is, but, uh, and like, I apologize because Call her. I have been, yeah. <laughs> I have an automated message. So I don't always, and because there's the automated message, it, 
looks like I've responded, like it doesn't show up as um, active. So I know that there are probably lots of people because yes. I will get another message from them at a different time. And then I'll see messages before. And I'm like, I've never spoken to this person before. And then it's my automated message and they've asked me something or they've said something really sweet. And I'm like, I am so sorry. Like I did not see. So if you do message me and I haven't responded to you and you get my automated message, this is generally because, you know, I'm not responding because I'm super, I mean, I am super busy, but I'm not responding to be rude in any sort of sense. It's just that I haven't seen it because my automated message said, be gone. Red. So yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm yeah. not ignoring you. I try to answer um, as many messages as possible, but sometimes it's just not possible, especially if I say something oh, yeah. spicy. Oh Lord. Um, then <laughs> I, I get a lot of messages, but Anyway, again, off on that tangent. Um, yeah. Okay. I think so. we've covered it all. We've covered yes. it all, except for one very, very crucial piece of equipment that every dog owner should have at least multiple. If you have anything, any dog like my dog, you should have multiple of these things because he will destroy one every single time you leave it out unattended. What? What is it? <laughs> what? Treat pouches. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes you, quintessential uh, element for the positive. I want to say purely positive just to be a little bit like, you know, bitchy, but for the positive dog trainer slash behavior slash professional. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even, I've, I have so many and some of them I just don't even use. And then I end up using things like you know, just like reusable plastic or silicone bags. Or um, yeah. I got out the ones because I'm recording some videos and stuff for my courses and things. And obviously for social media. And I got out the silicone kind of like snap. They have like a, a magnet closure, which I have not used yeah. since I was doing consultations in person. Yep. And I was like, I forgot how good these are. Cause you can just literally wash them out. So I have tons. What do you recommend for clients? Um, I recommend what makes the most sense for their personal preference. Some people like to use their own, um, fanny packs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely do have like several that I personally swing to because I like ones that are easily accessible, but also yeah. easily closable because, you mm. know, sometimes we have that client who likes to stick its nose in our treat pouch, which totally fair. <laughs> I'd do the same if it was my favorite food. Um, but yeah, so I, there's a couple different ones that I have. I have, um, a couple Kurgo ones that are identical. Um, one of them got replaced because either my po pooch or my housemate's pooch decided to eat it. Um, cause it got left, left in an accessible area for them when no one was home. Um, and then I have a couple from, I think one from Rocky mountain dog, um, which mm -hmm. is really great. I have, uh, I'm trying to think of the brands of they are, but essentially the way that I use it is I have a carabiner on all of my treat pouches. Um, whether I have to put it in there my own special way by crack, making a little hole in it or whatever the case may be. Each one of my tree pouches has a carabiner. And because I am primarily right-handed, um, I always put my tree pouch on my back right belt loop. Um, yeah. A few weeks ago, I was at a client and it, huge Northern dog. He's like 130 pounds of ridiculous. Um, he's only seven months old, which is also really ridiculous. And he gets yeah. really over aroused and has some pretty serious resource guarding issues as well. Um, and he, when I sat down, I hadn't 
moved my treat pouch and he went for it and started to tug on it. And I was like, I'm not going to try to take this from this dog. I'm just going to let this happen. And he ripped my whole belt loop off of my pants. Um, Oh, it was good. I was walking around with a hole in the butt of my pants for a day. Um, but I, I always clip it to that belt loop or if I'm in pants that don't have belt loops on them, I, the carabiner just easily goes over the waistband of your pants. And then that way as well, I always have a second one. When I do in-person consultations, I always bring a second tree pouch with me just in case my client has forgotten (laughs) theirs or it's our first time working or it gets eaten. (laughs) Yep. Um, or if it's our first time working together and they just don't have one yet or whatever the case may be, I always have a second one Um, and the carabiner just makes it accessible. So no matter who the client is or what they're wearing, we can get it on their person. So even if you're in like a sundress, you can use that carabiner, gather up a little bit of fabric, put the carabiner on it and not risk ripping it unless, you know, a dog tries to eat it. Um, but not risk, risk like ripping or damaging your clothing because it just kind of with pressure keeps it on you. So I, I always use carabiners and, um, those, and depending on, the length of um, the session that I'm doing, or if it's multiple dogs that are in the session, or I'm teaching, say, like a class or whatever the case may be, will determine which treat pouch I wear because some of them are like, there's enough treats in this for a 30 minute session with a puppy, or there's enough treats in this. It's a large enough pouch that there's enough treats in this for a 45 minute session with seven dogs or whatever the case may be. So it always kind of determines, but I usually recommend people find something that best suits them and like their comfort essentially. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm super easygoing when it comes to them. I mean, like I said, if I can, I will just have, you know, a bag, like whatever I used to. um, So I used to always wear I mean, I still wear hoodies now, but it's, it's summer, but, yeah. um, <laughs> having that, um, silicone pouch that I was talking about that has a little clip on it. I would actually put that inside my like hoodie pouch and I would clip it to yeah. the kind of like pouch part. And so if I, you know, because I would naturally kind of put my hands in my pouch when I was like talking or, you know, so I would have the food ready if I needed to mark and reward something. And I found that that was a nice little neutral place for me to be able to put my hands, but also not having my food on display. And so I've had clients where they've just used like, even what are they called? Like egg poachers, which are just um, little silicone, like little, like I guess, pocket liners and they'll put the treats in that and that they can kind of shove them in their pocket and things like that. Um, fanny packs. I have one that I use all the time. Um, yeah. Anything that a client wants to use, as long as they're bringing treats and it's going to help them to bring food out yep. and doing this, I don't care what they use as long Same. as it's yeah consistent as consistent as possible. But I think we're yep. also really lucky because there are so many on the market, you know, and I, sometimes I've learned through clients about different kind of pouches. Like you've just mentioned the one, I think it was for what Rocky mountain dog, never heard of it. Yeah. I'm going to go look it up. Like I'm going to see what it is. Um, also there's the, I think it's called the trainer's pouch, which I believe is from Australia. And that is a box type silicone pouch that can hold, I got the big one so I can hold, um, it's a little cumbersome on my hand um, to put okay. it in and pull it out. I think that's why I like the silicone one with the magnetic clip is because I can just shove my hand in 
and it's really soft. So when I bring it back out, there's no issue with the trainer's trainer's pouch. Um, and it was a pretty penny to buy, but it's kind of rigid. So when I put my hand in, it's fine. But if I try to, well, yeah, if I try to grab <laughs> treats and then bring them out, it then becomes a little bit pro- problematic, but yeah. you've actually just reminded me another thing, which I always encourage clients to bring. And I often will bring with me is squeezy tubes and yeah. having that as like a backup or, you know, we're working with something where it like takes us by surprise or if we're using some management techniques. So I think also having something that is like a fanny pack or a, a, like a proper treat pouch that you can put squeezy tubes in um, is a great way to go because you know what it's like. You go out, like, I, again, I wear things that usually have like a pouch in the front so I can shove all my stuff in there, but not everybody has that. And if you have a treat pouch that you can just clip on really quickly, you know, even if you keep stuff in the free, uh, in the freezer or fridge, I'll tell clients, leave themselves like a little note by where the dog's tools are, grab your treats. So yeah, your pouch is there. That should be a visual reminder. You leave yourself a note, so you should be able to grab it, but yeah, whatever you want to use. I mean, I've had all kinds of weird things people are using as treat. I'm like, whatever, if it works for you, then it works for you. You know, exactly. as long, again, as long as you're bringing food, I don't care what you put it in yeah totally fair I agree completely um honestly like I've had clients bring like a ziploc bag that they just shove in their pocket like I don't care but it is really important in my opinion to always have something rewarding with you depending Mm. on your dog's like wants and needs essentially and their favorites right um yeah like my brain was like what is that called uh favorites um if your dog loves like toys way more than they like treats carry a toy with you you know what I mean um but like always have some type of reward that you're able to easily access and use for the better for your pooch whenever you're out and about and all of that fun stuff yeah absolutely um okay yeah so I think will like I said, I'll do a little kind of brief recap. Is there anything else um, that you want to say about reward pouches? No, just have one, have something. That's it. That's all. <laughs> That's the simple. <laughs> no tangent needed. Let's talk about reward pouches. Have one. Yeah. <laughs> yep, um, <laughs> yep. Have multiple. Do your Okay. Thing. So yeah, I'll do a little recap just, and so when we talk about tools, obviously we're talking about tools that we want to have the least aversive, minimally invasive. So we really want tools that are going to feel comfortable, be comfortable, not cause restriction, not be, um, you know, difficult to put on where the dog has to have a lot of handling. Um, We want to have a positive reception to those tools coming out. Um, You know, your dog is running towards you rather than running away. Uh, When it comes to harnesses, we really want a Y shape. We want that um, forelimb exposure, free to move, nothing across the chest, nothing restricting, nothing tightening. A bonus is to go over the head. So if you can get something that has uh, an additional neck clip or just one neck clip where it doesn't need to go over the head, a lot of dogs, especially dogs that have maybe wide set ears or big heads and smaller necks that can make things a lot easier for that. 
Um, you want a harness that you can modify or adjust, especially if you're getting one as a puppy that's going to have a lot of adjustment period um, available to it so that your puppy can grow with that. You know, the, the one thing that sometimes happens is you get a harness and then it's your puppy's growing really, really quickly, then you have to buy another harness and another harness. Um, and so maybe not always going to the cheapest one, but looking for something that has a bit of versatility to it. Watch how your dog acts with the harness. So see if there's any sort of behavior that starts to deviate from what we talked about before, welcoming the arrival of the harness, wanting to come towards you, wanting to put that harness on. Um, anytime that you have a dog that maybe is running away, hiding, growling, showing teeth, you know, um, if you can get to those minor behaviors first of maybe just like I explained with a little bit of the thoughts, the giddiness that happens and they're kind of darting away from you. And every time you go to touch the harness, they're like, no, they don't want that. Or a dog that pancakes that goes flat to the floor. Um, these can be signs that the dog is not entirely comfortable with what's about to happen for them. Uh, and you may need a custom harness. So just like we said, you know, you want to find a harness that is right for your dog um, as they're commercially available. There are certain sizes, you know, it may not fit to your dog. So don't give up just because you've tried a few harnesses, you might need to go for something that's custom made. Um, collars. So we're going to say, um, you know, martingales, like I said, is something that you can use for safety, but the primary attachment being to a harness, um, except obviously in shelter situations or rescue situations um, where you know safety is of an issue, there's a high volume of dogs, they're moving in, they're moving out, those kind of situations. Um, as far as flat collars being used on a regular basis, they can be harmful in both short and long-term situations. Uh, as Cassie mentioned, rightly so, you can have one incident that can add some trauma to those very vital areas that house a lot of important things for your dogs to be able to function and feel good. Also, you may have a long-term wearing of the structures of the neck if you have a collar that your dog pulls occasionally or a strong puller, I would definitely recommend switching to a harness for that. And then leashes, um, I can basically surmise that as the longer, the better for what is comfortable <laughs> for you. The material is obviously a personal preference as well, but if you haven't looked up biothane, I would highly recommend looking that up, um, becoming comfortable and familiar with what that is and the options that are available to you. There are also, like we talked about, leather ones that can be quite nice. Um, then you have your more kind of standard nylon and you also have rope that are available. And then you have some um, nylon that has webbing in it that can be grippy material inside of the leash. Um, so there's lots of things that are available. I mean, dog accessories have kind of boomed. And as far as reward pouches, like we said, it's really whatever you can consistently do that is going to encourage you to bring food out with your dog on the walk so that you can use it. So whatever that looks like, whatever that item is, as long as you're using it, as long as you're doing that, that's great. Okay. That was phenomenal. I love it. Oh, thank you. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> it's like I do this for a living or something. Um, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, that is about it as far as tools. So hopefully this gives you a really great kind of updated version of the first episode. Um, and you know what? When you know better, you do better. So that episode, I thought about taking it down, but absolutely not. Um, it's had a lot of listens. Um, and that's also why I wanted to do an updated version is because hopefully those listeners will go on to listen to this episode and really get a kind of updated version and obviously the addition of what um, Cassie has presented to this and a general understanding of what tools that positive trainers use. So from me and Cassie, thank you so much for joining us on the Dog Logical Podcast and we will see you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Hi guys, Renee here. Just a quick and gentle reminder that any of the information that you gather from our podcast, as well as social media on the whole, does not replace working with a qualified ethical dog professional. If you are concerned about your dog's behavior, getting advice as soon as possible can help save you time, energy, money, and your sanity. If you did want to work with me, all of the information to work with me is available in the podcast notes, or you can go to my website, rplusdogs.com. Thanks for listening.